Loneliness does not vanish because you're in a crowd. Loneliness is dealt with when you're in authentic community. People matter to Jesus, so people should matter to us. People are a big deal to Jesus, so people should be a big deal to us. Your life is perfectly designed to get the results you're getting. If you want different results, you need to try something different. For one thing, for the people the closest to you, one thing for the people that you love the most, what would it be? If you think about your kids, if you're a parent, you might pray for happiness or success. If you think about your spouse, you you might pray for some fulfillment of a dream you've known that they've always had. If you think about a friend that's maybe struggling in their career and just hasn't landed yet in a place where they feel fulfilled or enjoy what they do, you might pray for that. But if you could pray just for one thing, for the people that you love the most, what would it be? We find an occasion where Jesus is coming to the end of his life on earth. And we're familiar, if you grew up in church, maybe you're familiar with the prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he's arrested and then he's going to be crucified and then he's going to three days later raised from the dead. But he prayed a prayer before the prayer. Before he goes to the garden, when he's in the room with his closest followers, his disciples, he's washed their feet. They've had a meal together. He prays a prayer. It's the closing hours of his life. And when he prays that prayer, he prays for one thing. We find it in the Gospel of John, chapter 17. And in the first 19 verses, he's praying for the disciples in the room with him. He's praying for protection. He's praying for provision. He's praying for some specific things. But there's one thing that he prays for them, and then in verse 20 he shifts and he prays for us. Verse 20 reads, my prayer, Jesus speaking, is not for them alone, not just for the people in the room with me right now. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And that's why you and I are here today. The message of the gospel from the disciples through generation after generation, it's the reason we're here today. What that means is, back then, Jesus was praying for me and you right now. You may come from a home or a family or in your circle of friends, you're not sure that anybody prays for you. But back then, Jesus was praying for you right now. At a moment in history, at a specific time, a specific place, Jesus prayed a prayer for you and for me. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And he prays for one thing. Now, it's the closing hours of his life, so this is what's on his mind. In his last moments... 
What's the first thing on his mind? If he's going to pray for us, what's he going to pray? You might think, well, man, if it were me, I I would pray that God would spare me from the cross. He does that. that. That happens in the garden. That's the prayer after this prayer. But the prayer before the garden, before he prays for himself and what he's facing, he prays for you and for me. And when he prays for you and for me, this is what he prays, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. Out of all of the things that Jesus could have prayed for you and prayed for me, Jesus being fully man while at the same time being fully God, looking into the future, he's praying for one thing, and because it's his last hours, it's the thing that is of utmost importance to him. And out of all that he could have prayed, he prays, that we would be one. Why? He continues, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. He's talking more about deep relational connection, not just simple surface agreement. He's giving us a hint as to what this one really is. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Complete unity. What does that mean? Jesus is praying for mature, complete community for you and for me. He's praying that in this life, we would find the life that he created for us, which is to be deeply connected with others that are Christ followers. Now, you may be here this morning and you're not a Christ follower. You are still wired by God, we believe, for relationships. We're all created for relationships. But specifically, if if you're a Christ follower, there's a unique kind of relationship that is available to us, not only with God, but also with other Christ followers. So this morning, if you're here and and, and you don't have faith in Christ, that that you would consider yourself, hey, I'm I'm a follower of Jesus, you're going to get a very transparent look at something that is available to you If you were to surrender your life to Christ, he's praying for a mature, complete community for us. He's praying for complete unity, for a a oneness. Now, this has happened positionally already. When Christ died and gave his life for us, and three days later, he defeated death and he defeated sin. He took your sin. He took my sin. He died on the cross and shed his blood for that, got up three days later so that you and I, through his grace and his mercy, could be connected in a deeply personal way with a God that invites us to call him Father. It's already happened positionally. The question is, has it happened practically in your life? See, there could be something that as a follower of Jesus, if you've committed your life to Christ, there could be something that is available to you that you have not yet tapped into. There could be a kind of an inheritance that that you have full access to, but you're not participating in. And it is the idea of community. Relational connectedness is what community really is. 
If you could sit down with Jesus over a cup of coffee and ask him, hey, Jesus, you prayed this prayer about us being one. How is that accomplished? I mean, as I, as I look at my life, what's the thing that I should concentrate on the most? If, if, if you created life, it was your idea, you deeply love us, nobody else has ever died for me, so clearly you love me more than anyone. What should I chase? What should I pursue in this life to have the life you created me for, to experience the best life and make the most of each and every moment in this thing called life that passes so quickly? What is it all about? And Jesus would say the same thing to us that he said in the scriptures. Love God and love others. And love God and love others doesn't happen without community. It is impossible without community. Why is community so important? Why would Jesus pray about this oneness, this this unity, this idea of community? It's really very simple. God doesn't want you to be alone. God doesn't want me to be alone. Now, some of you, especially moms, any moms in the room? Moms? You're thinking, oh, what I would give to be alone, <laughs> just for a few moments. I mean, you try to find your alone time. You, you reach that point where I'm going to take a bath. Don't knock on that door. If the house is burning down, you can knock on the door, maybe. But, but listen, don't knock on the Leave me. I need some time alone. Do you ever get to that place? And some of you, your personality is wired. Some of you, you, you need that alone time. Others of you, being alone, you can't stand it. You, you, you go nuts. You just can't stand the thought of being alone. Some people are wired. He, he, he's not speaking of time that you may need alone. He's speaking directly of loneliness. Because loneliness is deeper than being alone. Loneliness is something that can impact you when you're by yourself or when you're in a crowd. Some of you in this room this morning, you're here with hundreds of people, but you're lonely. Some of you, when you sit in your home with your family, you're lonely. When you go to work, when you sit in a classroom, there, there is a, a dark cloud of loneliness. He's addressing something deeper than surface friendships. He's saying there is a cure. There is something that he built into our lives and, and intends for us that if we pursue and embrace and bring into our lives, it will help resolve the issue of that loneliness. See, loneliness does not vanish because you're in a crowd. Loneliness is dealt with when you're in authentic community. You, you can be in a crowd and be lonely, but in authentic community, it's very, very difficult. And if we don't build community when life is good, we won't have it when life isn't. See, some of you are thinking, man, my, my, my life is good. My friendships are good. If you're dating, my dating relationship is good. If you're married, my marriage is good. My parenting is good. My kids are good. Man, life's good right now. I'll worry about the whole community thing. I'll dive into that when something goes wrong. But there's this idea that is being communicated that we need each other on a deeper level when life is good, so we'll have each other on a deeper level when life is not. Now, if your life is not in a good place this morning, you can still dive in. 
But you will grow and understand, and you would probably even agree with the idea that, that man, if I could go back in time and, and chase community and build that into my life before it got to this place, but you can't. And here's the good news. Even God understands you and I cannot go back in time, nor does he expect you to. You're here today. So from this moment, community. One of the things we do in the life of C3 to help give you the option of community, authentic community, is community groups. They're starting next Sunday. Now, we don't do community groups because we had a staff meeting where we sat around and we thought, you know what? People just, everybody has too much time on their hands. I mean, people are just looking for stuff to do. We hear people say all the time, oh my goodness, my days are so boring. I sit around with nothing to do. Let's find something to do. This is not about, see, I I grew up in a kind of church where where busyness equaled spirituality. The more activities they had, the more holy you thought you were. This is not about that. This is not about programming your life. This is about benefiting your life. See, we offer community groups as a resource for you to build these authentic relationships that God says are intensely valuable, and that is definitely the one thing that Jesus prayed specifically that we would be involved in. He he prayed for it, so as a church, we believe we're supposed to offer it. And see, not only do we need community, if you're thinking, I'm good, I have community, man, I've got some Christ followers that I'm connected with, and we have a Bible study every Tuesday morning at Denny's, we don't eat the food, we just meet there, but but we we get together and we pray, and we have Bibles, I'm I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. We need community, and we also need to be somebody's community. See, there are people who are missing out if you're not connected relationally on a deeper level. You will never be who you were meant to be on your own. It is impossible. You weren't created. You weren't designed. You you will never fulfill the purpose of your life, the purpose of all the things God's calling you to do and to experience and to be. You'll never experience that on your own. We've come to a place in our nation where one out of five people suffer persistent loneliness. Socially, we come to the place that there's such a struggle with loneliness and disconnectedness that if you're feeling that and living in that, you on average will live 14% less than you could have. So, so what is this thing Jesus prayed for? What, what is this authentic community? What does that look like? He's praying for us to be one. He's praying for us to be unified. He's praying for us to be relationally connected. What, what exactly does that look like? I think authentic community is a couple of things. First of all, it's intentional. Authentic community is intentional. Have you ever thought about this? If, if you want to get healthy, what do you do? If you want to get healthy, you become very intentional about your diet. You stop buying Bluebell. You start going to the gym. You make an investment. You you bring intentionality to the areas that you want to see improvement. If you want to see your marriage get better, you, you become more intentional. Maybe you read some books. Maybe you go to counseling. Maybe you start dating again. Husbands, wives, you, you do understand dating doesn't stop when you get married. It accelerates and enhances. 
the areas that we want to improve in life, we bring intentionality. If you want a different career, you're intentional about what you study and maybe taking some classes or pursuing a different job. We bring intentionality to all the areas of life. If you want your finances to be better, maybe you seek out a financial advisor, you start budgeting. It's not that we don't know how to be intentional. We do it in the areas that we want to see improvement, and yet we bring intentionality to so many areas. We're intentional in every area except our relationships where we're accidental. We fall into relationships. We fall into friendships. We meet some people at work or in the neighborhood that we feel like, oh, we like them, they like us, and we just sort of begin to hang out. Relationships are the one area of life where overall we're extremely accidental. And then we wonder why we have the kind of marriage we have when the people that we hang around bash the opposite sex all the time. We wonder why we struggle with parenting when the people that we're around, we don't even agree with their philosophy of parenting, but it has somehow oozed into our thinking. We, we wonder why we're stuck in life in so many areas, and yet if you look at the five people the closest to you, you will see your life. Maybe that's why Jesus said you need community. I need community. We need to be connected with people that love Jesus and will love us. We need to be intentional about our relationships. If you want to be a person that experiences the power of prayer and God answering prayer, if you want to be somebody that knows how to pray in a way that that you feel connected with God and with heaven, not because he jumps and answers every time you say jump, but, but a sense of knowing you're connected with God in a deep prayer life. If you want that, find somebody that has that kind of prayer life and develop a friendship. If you want to be a husband that has an incredible marriage, find men that have incredible marriages and get close to them and get to know them and learn from them. If you want to be a wife that wants an amazing marriage, find women that that don't spend time running their husbands down for all the things they're not. Find women that love their husbands and have the strength of character to forgive idiots because that's what husbands are. You you find somebody that, that focuses on loving, not pointing out faults. If you want to improve in your finances, find people that know how to do finances, develop friendships with them. If you want to be a better dad, look around the horizon and find, it's hard to find, but find some dads that love Jesus and love their families and function in a way that honors God and honors their spouse and honors their kids and develop a friendship with them. How would your life change? How would your family change? How would your future change? If you became more intentional about your friendships, well, pastor, I'm in church. I'm here this morning. I'm in church. I'm trying. Hey, that's awesome. And we're glad you're here because I think attending church, scripture talks about that also. It's almost like compounding interest that builds over time and, and God uses it to change us and shape us. But, but I do need us to understand we don't build intentional relationships in rows. I've been attending church my entire life. When I was a kid, I went even when I didn't want to because my dad said, you're going. And I I grew up in Texas where we did what our dad said. And there was no question about that. We just did it. And there were seasons of my life early in in college and early where I, I didn't attend. But overall, most of my life I've been in church. And 
One of the things I've noticed that's very common, not just about C3, but every church I've ever been in. I used to travel and speak in churches. I was gone 42 weeks a year in churches all over, and I noticed this is common in our culture. People who attend church regularly, those of you that attend C3 regularly, you know what you do? You pretty much sit in the same seat every time. You pretty much do. I I mean, you know, it's going to, unless somebody gets in before you, and then it sort of ruins your day if somebody gets your seat. You're just not sure how to feel about it, exactly. I mean, you know you're supposed to love people, but you're in my dadgum seat. And, and so <laughs> you have that kind of look. But, but, but here's what I know. Those of you that attend C3 regularly, you sit in basically the same spot. And the people that sit on the row in front of you, and the people that sit on the row behind you, and the people that sit on the row beside you, You may have been coming for years, but more than likely, you don't know them unless you already knew them. You say hi on Sunday morning. You you notice, this guy sits behind me, he cannot sing. We're going to have to change seats. I like this seat. But he cannot sing. I mean, you, you know a little bit about, the, oh, he's married. Oh, she, she has her two kids and her sister comes with her sometimes. You, you know some things about them, but you don't get connected. You don't get to know people sitting in rows. It happens in circles. We build relationships in circles where we can look people in the face and lock eyes with people. And that is why the value of community groups is far beyond anything you and I might have ever imagined. But you have to be intentional. Jesus said this in John chapter 15. My command is this. Not, not, Jesus didn't say, hey, it's my suggestion. Jesus didn't say, wait, those of you that aren't too busy. Jesus didn't say, hey, if you, if you feel like you're an extrovert and you could do this okay. No, he said, my command is this. For every Christ follower, love each other as I have loved you. And how did Jesus love us? He sacrificed. He forgave. He loved and loves us even when we're broken, even though we're messed up. He he sees through the brokenness and he he looks through our, our sin and he loves us. Jesus loves us. Jesus likes us. On my most unlovable day, in my most unlovable moments, Jesus still loves me. Jesus says, hey, if you're a follower of me, that's how I want you to love other people. I want you to be so connectedly with a group, so connected, connectedly, that may be a word. I just made it up. I'm from Texas. That's where new words come from. I want you to be so connected in relationship that you love people this way, that that you have a group of people that you're building deep, authentic community with. You're being intentional. You're willing to sacrifice your time and move your schedule around. You're willing to forgive when someone else says something offensive. You're willing to look through the brokenness and the messes because you recognize you and I have those as well. And you love people. You create a safe atmosphere where anybody can come, no matter how messed up they feel in life, and know, hey, I don't know everything about you, but I know you love me. Can you imagine the kind of community of faith? And can you imagine what would happen in a community of faith if everybody that was a follower of Jesus was connected in authentic community? If you're not, 
you're missing more of life than you could ever imagine. It's like being an heir to a great inheritance. And because of your position, it's available. But practically speaking, you've never embraced it. How tragic would that be? Authentic community is intentional. Authentic community is also transformational. It changes us. Have you ever thought, I I need to make some changes in my life? I, I need to grow in some areas. I want to improve in some areas. There are some things I need to stop doing and some things I need to start doing. Authentic community is transformational. And you know one of the things I've learned? Often, relationships change people more than the truth does. Who you're connected with, who is the closest to you, will determine and define what truth you believe. Now, we know that ultimately there's the truth. We live in a culture that talks about my truth and your truth, and ultimately there is the truth. It's the only truth. It's the Word of God. It's foundational. And ever since God wrote this book, He's not changed His mind about a single thing. But we can get into relationships where people question and doubt, and then we begin to question and doubt more. But authentic community is transformational. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That word sanctify means to change, to become holy, a process of becoming more like God. Sanctification, it's a process, it's a theological term. James says, sanctify them, change them by the truth. Your word is truth. And so in authentic community, something transformational takes place because we, we study the word of God. And nobody's an expert. We're all on a journey together. Not only do we need to be intentional, but we need to understand it's transformational. See, Jesus not only expects us to change, he knows we can, and he knows what it will mean for us if we do. If you could sit down with Jesus and ask him another question and say, Jesus, Could you tell me about the life you have for me? Could you tell me about my future? One of the things that is guaranteed that Jesus would say about your future and mine is, I have a desire for you to be in authentic community. We know he would say that because he prayed that for us. And the one who died for us and gave his life for us and paid the price for our sin would only desire what's best for us. It's transformational. When you're connected with Jesus and people who love him. In our home, all four of our kids, two girls, two boys, grew up being Dallas Cowboys fans. Simply because God is. I mean, that's the main reason. But no, they they grew up being Dallas Cowboys fans because their father is a little bit of a Dallas Cowboys fan. And so... They are two sons more than the two daughters, but but everybody kind of bought in to the Dallas Cowboy thing. And I've had people ask me occasionally, because people close to me know how much of a Cowboys fan I am, people would ask me, hey, if your kids wanted to pick another team, if one of your kids said, hey, Dad, I want to pick a different team, would you let them? Absolutely. And they can also pick a different family. If you want to pick a different team, somebody else can feed you and clothe you and pay for your college, and that's absolutely fine. No, no, I'm only kidding, sort of. 
But, but you know the reason that my kids are Dallas Cowboys fans? One simple reason. I am. Who I am has influenced who they are. It's because I am. You know what happened? Our two daughters are older and they got married and Fortunately, our oldest daughter married a guy who's a Dallas Cowboys fan. But our second daughter, she married a guy who is an Atlanta Falcons fan. So if you've ever wondered who cheers for the Falcons, the two people who do are my son-in-law and my daughter. But do you know why she now loves the Atlanta Falcons? Because she fell in love. Because the person she loves, loves that. So she loves that. Authentic community is transformational. What would your life look like if the people the closest to you, in my life, the people the closest to me, if they love Jesus and love you, if they love Jesus and love me, it is transformational. If we hang around Jesus and his people, we will be influenced and changed by it. This has the ability to radically change your life. This is the thing. This is the thing where you wake up one day in two or three or five years and you look at your life and you look at how it's changed and you look at the grace of God that you've experienced and you look at the mercy of God that you've experienced and you look at how God has used it in your life and if that happens and when that happens, you will look around and the process by which God brought that change will have names. It's transformational. Second Timothy chapter 2 says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. What's he saying? Change. Change. How? Along with those. Along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Transformation happens when you're connected on a deeper level than how you're doing. How's the weather? How's your team going to do? Transformation happens when you're deeply connected in authentic biblical community. See, the amazing thing about God is he, he loves us exactly the way we are. However, his desire is not to leave us that way. It's almost like Jesus says, I love you here. Let me lead you there. I'll accept you. I'll meet you right where you are. You are never too broken. You are never too messed up. There is nothing that you've done, nothing that you will ever do to cause God to love you any less or any more than he already does. You are fully loved by God. He will meet you right where you are. But he says, I love you here. Let me lead you there. Because there is always better than here. And when you get there, you'll be glad that you followed me. So I love you here, right where you are in your struggle, walking through your pain, dealing with your sadness, navigating the circumstances, trying to make the decisions, having more questions than doubts. I I love you here and all of your imperfections. Let me lead you there. And I'm going to use people that love me also, that that are also broken and also struggling and also messed up in so many ways. And and I'm going to use them in your life and I'm going to use you in their life. And together, I will lead you there. And once once you get there, you'll be so glad you did. 
What is authentic community? It's intentional. It's transformational. It's also missional. It's missional. Verse 23 of John 17. I and them and you and me, so that. All of this is for a purpose. So that. They may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. It's consistent throughout Scripture. You can't avoid it. You can't miss it. It is the theme of all of the Bible. The love, the mercy, and the grace of God available to every single individual. People matter to Jesus, so people should matter to us. People are a big deal to Jesus, so people should be a big deal to us. The big deal is not going to be who wins the next election. The big deal is not going to be what law gets passed here or there. The biggest thing that our nation needs is not some new laws that criminals will break because they break laws. The big thing that our nation needs is a heart for God, and it begins with the people of God having a heart for God and a heart for each other. You will change the world not by how you get people to vote the way you vote. You will change the world by how you get people to love Jesus the way you love Jesus. And it happens in community. It doesn't happen in rows. What you get here is for out there. But where you go deep is when you sit in a circle and you build community. So you might say, man, community groups... Yeah, I am about to invite you to take a step of courage. I'm about to invite you to do something that some of you have never done. I'm about to invite you to register for community groups. They start next Sunday, next weekend. They last eight weeks. Eight weeks. What do you have to lose? Because you've tried a lot of other things. And your life, your life, is perfectly designed to get the results you're getting. If you want different results, you need to try something different. Now, you might say, I'm too nervous. I'm too skeptical. Oh, I've tried it before. I'm too busy. You're too nervous. But growth happens in the uncomfortable places. And if you'd have the courage to say, okay, I'll dive in. Eight weeks. Eight weeks. One hour a week for eight weeks. To hang out with people who love Jesus, will love you, will pray for you, will build authentic community with you. There's no downside to that. I'm kind of skeptical. Well, those closest to you might say lovingly, you kind of bring that skepticism to all of life and maybe a community group could help change that. I've tried it before. Try it again. No, I've tried it before. I know it doesn't work. Let me ask you. Have you ever eaten a bad meal? Did you stop eating? Well, I've tried it before. Did you ever go to a restaurant? It was a terrible experience. Did you stop going to restaurants? You ever bought groceries at the store and they weren't good? Did you stop buying groceries? No, that is ridiculous. That is the excuse we lay over life to continue to maintain a subpar life and act like it's somebody else's fault and we have nothing to do about it. If you want it to change, at some point, you have to own your life. At some point, you have to say, enough is enough. I'm going to go to uncomfortable places. I'm going to make the kind of a commitment. It's one hour for eight weeks. I can do that. I'm too busy. You're too busy 
to achieve the life God created you to live. If you're too busy, that means you're too busy to become a better husband or a better wife. You're too busy to become a better parent. Think about what is filling your calendar and ask yourself, is it going to add as much value to your life as this will? I I think I can make the argument that it won't because the one thing that Jesus prayed for you and for me is that we would be involved in this. So he knows the value that it will bring to your life. You're too nervous. You're too skeptical. You've tried it before. You're too busy. No, 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 no. Here's the reality. You are too valuable. You are too valuable to miss this. You're too valuable to not do this. And this is too valuable for you. This will add benefit and value to your life. You are too valuable to miss this. So I I, I want you to grab your phone. Grab your phone and, and jot this down or maybe a a pen and jot it down on paper. If you don't have a pen, use lipstick, mascara, whatever. Just write it down. C3church.cc forward slash now. C3church.cc forward slash now. When you go to that page, it has a number of things coming up in the life of C3 like baptism we talked about. But the thing at the very top is going to be a link you can click to register for community groups. Hey, the entire reason you're here this morning is because back then Jesus prayed this for you right now. This is something that God wants us to be involved in, authentic biblical community. It might require a sacrifice of time and schedule. It might be a little bit awkward at points, but it's going to grow you. Nobody's going to ask you to answer any theological questions. You're not going to be put on the spot. It is a safe atmosphere for you to connect with Jesus and connect with people who love Jesus and will love you. So I want to encourage you, if you're part of C3, register for a group, c3church.cc forward slash now. If you're a guest this morning and you don't have a church that you're connected with and you live in Orlando, man, I would encourage you, jump into a group. If you're not a Christ follower, it's okay, jump into a group. Listen, this is so important. This is so important. Look at me. If your neighbor is not writing this down, grab their phone and put it in their phone for them right now. They will thank you in eight weeks. If you don't do this, nothing changes. If you do this, imagine what could change. If you become more like Jesus and those who love him. Man, don't miss this opportunity. We can offer it, but you've got to dive into it. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much that you built us for a relationship with you and with each other. God, I pray for every person that's a part of C3. I pray for every guest that's not connected with a local church. I pray for those that are Christ followers, those that are not Christ followers. God, that that we would dive in, that we would make this a priority just to see what you would do in our lives over the next eight weeks. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, man, I I hear you about groups, but honestly, the greatest need in my life is I I need to commit my life to Christ. If that's where you are, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer. You can pray it out loud, or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. Just say, dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive my sin and help me live for you. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 